Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And uh, as usual, by the way, it's an aptly named podcast. Don't you think so, Bill Bender? <laughs> yeah, and thanks for having me on. Uh, absolutely, Tim. I, hey, man, I, whenever I feel like getting bent, I always bring on Bill Bender. And uh, uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go off on a bender here in a minute, ladies and gentlemen, about football and about why some people are playing and some people – are not playing and some people are playing like they might be playing, but they're not playing yet. And uh, all kinds of play on words there, Bill. But uh, bottom line is, as we sit right now, the Big Ten has still not decided to uh, return to what I call full football practice. When I tweeted about that over the weekend, somebody said, well, I'll stay just practicing. They're wearing helmets and, and uh, you know, those spider web, uh, those spider pads and stuff. I go, that's not real football. That's, uh, that's just kind of staying a little bit of a, in tune until you're given the right to uh, put on the real pads and start practicing real football. But Bill, as we sit right now, this is Bill Bender, ladies and gentlemen, from the Sporting News. You should know him. He's been on my podcast here a couple of times. But uh, first of all, welcome in, Bill. And number two, are you surprised at this moment we still haven't gotten a definitive uh, word, so to speak, from the Big Ten on what its plans are going forward? A little bit. I, I think the Big Ten saga, and it has become that since all of <laughs> yeah. I mean, every day there's another twist to it. It's played out. Tim, this is one thing, and I know you've been around the conference a lot longer than I have. I've never seen a feud play out this publicly between administrators, between the athletic directors, the school presidents, the coaches, and Kevin Warren being a first-time commissioner right in the thick of the entire mess. And then yeah. it kind of peaked last week. I mean, the president of the United States will continue to tweet about this. I mean, it's going to continue to happen as it goes along because we have no resolution as it pertains to any sort of final decision about when and where and how they're going to play football if they do. Yeah. And plus, you know, as we all know, the, uh, the Big Ten region is, or is chock full of swing states. So, of course, the president's going to weigh in. And uh, as the old saying goes, uh, with some of these uh, presidents and chancellors and maybe even the commissioner of the Big Ten, I'm not sure how much, how much weight that, that carries. May, may be more harmful than good if you follow my drift because I was texting with a fellow who has a vested interest in Big Ten, uh, put his heart and soul into it for many years over the weekend. I said, it's almost, it's almost a crime that in fact, uh, something hasn't happened here in terms of the Big Ten being cleared to play when you look around the country and seeing high schools playing, you're seeing colleges playing. I think Central Arkansas has already played two games. Uh, <laughs> uh, I watched uh, South Alabama at Southern Mississippi the other night. I mean, they're playing, but the Big Ten has kicked the can down the road, and that's the, the best term for it because they are kicking the can. And, you know, there were all these rumors that there was going to be a vote at the end of the week last week. Nobody I knew was saying that there was anything imminent in that regard, and as, as it turns out, there wasn't. You know, there's no use entering into a conversation like that of refuting someone else's report. You know, now there's a report that there could be something by midweek this week. We'll, we'll see. You know, I'll believe it when I see it at this point. But you're right. When uh, you have all these forces coming at you telling you you were wrong in what you did, sometimes you just kind of like build the, the fort a little higher, right? <laughs> like they did at the Alamo and say, come get me. Uh, yeah. Bottom yeah. line is that's that's what we're seeing right now, I think, across Big Ten territory. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, at the time when they made the decision, I, th I think I wrote something to the effect of I didn't have a problem with them canceling. I just had a problem with the timing. 
Yeah. And at that time, COVID numbers were different. We didn't know what was safe, what wasn't safe. Um, and the SEC seemed to strike every note the right way with Greg Sankey. You know, they released their schedule last. They are pl- they're not playing for two more weeks. And there are still some COVID-related issues with some teams. And, right. and you know, TCU-SMU was canceled last week. So that it's not over. I just think the the thing that I've been saying all along is a part, as you look at for the future is you're going to have to contend with COVID in October, November, December, January, February. It doesn't matter. You're going to have to continue with contend with it. And and you brought up the election part. And without getting in the absence of getting too political, I would just say this: This is what I've been telling people all along. If you look at Ohio, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Minnesota, that's 74 electoral votes. If you look at the, if you believe the maps, a lot of those states are Democratic leans or, like you said, a swing state, and um, you can win an election with that. Yeah. Either one of those guys can win an election with that, and that's why you're seeing Joe Biden run ads with empty stadiums, and that's why you're seeing Donald Trump tweet about it. The Big Ten, who knew, Tim, that the Big Ten was going to be, they'll probably ask about it in a presidential debate. I wouldn't doubt it. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it either. It's a big deal. I mean, and like you said, uh, you know, I've been saying all along, too, uh, that the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 have yet to play a game. I mean, well, at least, you know, I'm talking about the league game. I mean, and so that's what we're looking at. It's like, where does it go from here? Uh, Greg Sankey, I thought his approach was the best from the standpoint of he said, you know, the key word in all this is patience. And, uh, and, and then I was texting with a buddy of mine uh, who has a good buddy, on one of the coaching staffs in the ACC, uh, this was over the weekend, <laughs> and I was kind of trying to get get a hold of that guy, and uh, and he texted to my buddy, he goes, "Well, I can't really talk right now. We're in game week," <laughs> you know, and I said, "What's game week?" So you know, here's the deal, Bill. I mean, like you cover the national scene, and that's why I love having you on here. Uh, is October 10, is October 7, is October 17 the drop dead date, do you think, for a Big Ten uh, start with the idea of being in uh, in the consideration for the, uh, for the college football playoff? Because I did the math, and there are 10 weeks from October 17, 10 Saturdays from October 17 through December the 12th. Then you could play the uh, Big Ten championship game on the 19th. That would allow you to probably get at least eight games in, I think, in the season, in the regular season, uh, with two-week buffer built in, and then play on the 19th. Because as we know, the college football playoff announced a couple of weeks ago, it's not going to have its final rankings until the 20, December the 20th. Of course, everything can change. But is October 17th the drop-dead date? What, what's your take? It'd probably have to be around there. And you mentioned the Alamo earlier. That's probably the Alamo for the Big Ten in terms of once that – date passes, it's going to be tough for you to get in that college football playoff race. You mentioned game week as well. Something to be said there is we just had games this weekend and it didn't feel like a college football weekend. I don't no, even it think it's going to, no, and it's not going to feel like a college football weekend this weekend. There's not a matchup between ranked teams until October. The way we've kind of approached it here at Sporting News, even with my editors, is they, they're kind of pointing at September 26th is the first actual weekend of football because that's when the SEC fires up. So yeah. if you believe in that, and I kind of subscribe to that too, then the Big Ten does have some time. But 
once you get past, I always targeted October 3rd. I thought that was the right date because then you had a little more flexibility with the schedule. If they want to go the that's fine. If you don't go by the 17th, then you're going to be looking at this Thanksgiving plan, which I, I get the allure of it. I get the TV window. I get all that stuff. But I'm telling you, Tim, it will feel like a consolation season if that's what they do. Yeah. Because it won't be on the college football playoff race. Yeah, I mean, I was talking with uh, somebody from the Pac-12, uh, or, you know, over the weekend, and that's what they were still targeting. They think that's a doable thing uh, uh, the, uh, thanks, the around Thanksgiving. And, and I didn't get in a big argument with this person because I was just trying to get a feel for what they were thinking. And, you know, they were pretty fired up that the Pac-12 was – trying to get into cahoots with the Big Ten, but but this person was also just stupefied that the Pac-12 seems to be getting this act together and the Big Ten seems to be acting like a grenade, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, and, and that's what it looks like from the outside. I don't know if these uh, Big Ten officials and uh, Kevin Warren and these uh, Big Ten presidents understand what, what, what the perception is out there, but uh, it's almost like the Big Ten is kind of snubbing its nose and sort of acting elite uh, which, you know, it has some right to be feel elite, but that it knows best. Well, nobody really knows in this, in this time frame one way or the other. And, you know, it is, their, it is their duty and their job to make a decision. So, you know, it is up to them. And you, you, can't, you can argue with it, but it is their decision. But, but this idea that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are going to create some kind of like uh, postseason uh, nanny that's going to satisfy the masses you know, after starting their season uh, after Thanksgiving or around Thanksgiving, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really buy it because that's about when um, the NFL is really getting into its playoffs. We'll get, be getting into its playoffs if things go according to plan with the NFL. And I'm, I'm not sure what they're shooting for there. Well, think about this. If they start on Thanksgiving weekend, that Friday, Notre Dame plays at North Carolina. Yeah. Or that game's probably going to the ACC championship. Next day is the Iron Bowl. Yeah, nobody's going to watch a Big Ten opener over the Iron Bowl outside of here. I mean, that Iron Bowl will probably have some impact on the college football playoff race. Those things are definitely real. And um, you know, one of the things you mentioned about the Big Ten that's real striking to me. One, I, I sometimes I wonder what the Ohio State coverage would be like if Urban Meyer was still coach, and what that relationship would be with the school president, because clearly there's some contentiousness with Jim Harbaugh and Michigan's president. Uh, Penn State, not as bad. I mean, Nebraska seems to be in line, but that Michigan one strikes me a little bit because when you see Jim Harbaugh saying over the weekend, we could play in two weeks, and then you're hearing, reading the reports about the school president there and that they haven't spoken. They've texted a little bit. You know, yeah. so everything's going through Ward. I have no doubt Jim Harbaugh wants to play. I mean, you know, they, Ohio State may have beat them X amount of times in a row. It's eight, it's eight now. It's gonna, they could be nine or 10, 11. Jim Harbaugh is still going to want to play. And, yeah. and I think that's something, the relationship between the Big Ten commissioner and coaches and athletic directors is going to be strained. Coaches and presidents is going to be strained. And um, as you know, from being around this conference forever, the most more often than not, the football coach wins. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing about Jim Harbaugh, the way you just described a while ago, but he wants to play, he definitely wants to play Ohio State. Uh, it reminds me of that uh, Kevin Bacon character in uh, 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 
in what was the, what was the movie? I'm 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 losing the movie, but thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> Animal House, of course. Come Animal on, House, yeah. You're better than I don't that. know why that went over my head, but I remember the scene uh, uh, distinctly. But but yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, I think Ryan Day, um, Gene Smith, and Christina Johnson, the athletic director and uh, and president of Ohio State, are on the same page. Uh, but they're on the same page, but they're not being allowed to read their book. You know, I mean, it's uh, you know Ryan Day when he broke down the team on Saturday after the little workout. I understand. He told the team, you know, he hopes to hear really good news really, you know, pretty soon. And uh, so you're you're still kind of dangling that carrot out there for these guys to keep working hard. But what, is, what does soon mean? You know, we're, I think we're going to find out. Let me ask you this, Bill. Uh, uh, just from a national standpoint, what, what do you think the college football playoff would look like without – Big Ten and Pac-12 participation, and I know what you're going to say. The smart, smart aleck answer is to say, just like it did in 19 in 2000, what 16 and 17. <laughs> well, it might, but, be, it, it may very be well be those same teams too. Yeah. I mean, I think you know you look at Clemson and what they've done, and being 43 and two, including conference championship games the last five years in the ACC, a run of dominance in the conference that reminds me a lot of Florida State in the 90s, and that's yeah. another layer to Ohio State is. Yeah, the people, and I get that question a lot of, you know, what's the mood in Columbus and all that. You know, before COVID, the mood in Columbus was that Ohio State fans felt like they had a team that should have beat Clemson. And now they have a team beating Clemson and probably not going to get a swing at Clemson. Yeah. Unless something happened. And I think Clemson's probably, you know, Clemson and two most talented teams in the country that are still playing. And I would have put Ohio State in that weight class. Then – then it gets interesting. You know, Oklahoma's probably the best team in the Big 12, as usual, but a new quarterback. And, you know, that could go either way. With Lincoln Riley, it tends to go the right way. Yeah. Um, and that leaves that second SEC team or the American Athletic Conference champion. So I think that second SEC team, it's it's two weeks ago, I say Georgia, but then their quarterback opts out. Yeah. LSU's lost everybody. Um, you know, it could be a Florida Florida opportunity there with Kyle Trask coming back. But that, that again, you're going to take an SEC runner-up as that fourth playoff team. If the Big Ten gets in the season, to me, the biggest allure of that is you know, Ohio State's probably not – I didn't see a loss on their schedule. I mean, you have to play it out. I understand that. Ohio State makes the perfect fourth playoff team. You go Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama. I know that's yeah. same old, but yeah, pretty good. Hey. Blue blood's blue blood, man. You know, when they had the uh, jousting back in the old days, you know, in, in jolly old England, uh, you know, you just wanted the best knights out there going at it, right? And, uh, and uh, I agree. Uh, that That's what, before we move into another area, that's what I want to talk on about. I mean, you've been around, uh, you, you say I've been around a long time. You've been around a long time too, just not as long as me, but this is as talented an Ohio State football team from top to bottom. I'm talking about pure roster as I've ever covered. Uh, this is that moment in time that you won't get back from the standpoint of a, a a great team. You might get another one down the road, but, you know, you've got a quarterback who you figure is leaving after this season. Uh, you've got some talented guys on the defense who are going to be leaving after this season. You've got an offensive line that uh, could be right up there with one of the great offensive lines in Ohio State history from – like the mid seventies and, and even the last several years, I mean, with Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis and Thayer Munford uh, at Al, as I like to say, you know, it's like a, 
five-star chock full line there. That's why, you know, you want to see this team have a shot one way or the other, or at least, or at least be given the chance to start a shot. Agreed? I mean, to me, there's, as you were saying, that there's four Ohio State teams that really stand out to me, at least in my lifetime, that, that you thought that's the what-if team. And to me, it's 98, losing to Saban. Uh, that team was loaded. The the couple before that that lost to Michigan, obviously, in 94. 95, yeah. yeah. Those teams were in that class. And then in the more modern, I guess, playoff era and, and BCS era, the Urban Meyer's first team that didn't get a chance to play, they go 12-0. and 0. I don't think they're better than this team. No. The 15 team would be an interesting debate. The one that lost to Michigan State on a – last second field goal. Now, if you want to put 15 versus this team, that's fine. But 15 played it out on the field. You know, 05 yeah. played it out on the field against Texas and lost by a fingernail catch to Lima Swede. Yeah. Um, what's going to sting here is you have the only returning Heisman finalist. You had that big line. Those, some of those guys, I, a couple of those guys could have left the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. The receiving town. I love – watching receivers um, as a high school has been a position that, you know, Ohio State had plenty of that. And then uh, the defense was going to be really good around Sean Wade and some other guys. So, yeah, I mean, this was a team to me built to compete with Clemson again, built to compete with Al Alabama's loaded again. I think Alabama's kind of the one I'm watching them and I think they're going to be angry with how last year went, but yeah, we, we could have watched that semifinal and, and not yeah. getting to do that borderline criminal in some ways. I mean, and that's, I mean, there, there's lawsuits and things going on to prove that. You know, but for example, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, the SEC's all fired up, ready to go, ACC, whatever. And then we look where the, you know, Georgia quarterback, kid who transferred in from Wake Forest, opted out of the season. And, uh, you know, do you think that happened uh, because he saw the handwriting on the wall that maybe he wasn't going to be the guy? Or just what's, what's your take on that? And and just when you think you've got it lined up, I think LSU's had a couple of kids walk away also because of the COVID-19 situation or the, you know, the idea of the specter of maybe getting it. Ohio State hasn't had that yet. Uh, but it, it kind of puts that other spin on this thing that, you know, everybody's chomping at the bit to play, but maybe they aren't. Right. I mean, Jamar Chase last week, the LSU receiver that won the Blitnikoff Award, had a monster season with Joe Burrow last year. He opts out. Jamie right. Newman at Georgia. You saw that with the Big Ten before they canceled. You know, guys like Parsons, Bateman, Rondell Moore all opted out. But I was telling yeah. people at the time, with the exception of Parsons, those guys were on teams that weren't going to win the Big Ten anyway. So, I mean, Parsons and Jamar Chase, yeah, those register. Those are two of the top ten players in the country. Um you just never know. I think that's part of this season. I, I, the analogy I keep using is it's, it's kind of like a demolition derby in some ways. That you normally have to deal with injuries as it is, but now you're dealing with a virus that could wipe out a quarterback room at any given time. Yes. Um, you're dealing with administrations, conferences, all kinds of things that are outside the realm of football, which makes it, again, it makes it hard to enjoy the actual product on the field at least for me last weekend you know I'm watching a little bit of army in middle Tennessee state and I'm probably going to watch BYU Navy and all that kind of stuff but it's there is a certain level and I hate to like be over dramatic Tim but there is a level of emptiness knowing that the Mac's not playing or Ohio State's not playing or none of the D3 schools that I, I friends and parents of friends that have boys that play on division three schools all over the place in Ohio yeah 
and then we're watching high school the next night and i'm like this this just doesn't seem right yeah let's let's jump right into that because uh, we were talking before we started here you know you live you live in pickerington uh, you're a national correspondent but people have to live places right you lived in <laughs> you live in pickerington and uh you know, Jack Sawyer's right down the road from you. I think you could run to Jack Sawyer's house. You bragged earlier. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, and of course, he's opted out of the season. He was looking forward to getting to play in the spring. If the, you know, quotes around spring, if in fact the Big Ten kicked it to there. But of course, you saw the recommendation this past week uh, by the, in essence, the rules committee for one of another term that would uh, deny uh, young men coming in in, in January the, uh, the right to play in the spring. We'll see where that goes. But uh, but high school football is is ensuing. I mean, how do we explain this to uh, youngsters when they want to know about this 30 years from now? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Spencer, when we were talking before you, you were late to this podcast, of course, being not punctual. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's a long way from, uh, from my upstairs to my downstairs. Yeah, no, Spencer was talking about going down to Ironton and I, you know, the experience of watching a game there. And I, I was telling him, you know, when I was in high school, yeah, I watched them play the sales at Fulton Field in Lancaster. And I think there was people like hanging off the fences. That's how much high school means here. I mean, obviously living in Pickerington, you have a bunch of, potential Ohio State players, you know, Jack Sawyer's one, there's, there's a sty- younger Styles that's yeah. Lorenzo's younger brother, there's talent all over the place, we did a, that, I guess that's the thing for me is, you know, yeah, we watched Pickerington North and Pickerington Central on ESPN last Sunday, we had a flag football combine in Pickerington where Pickerington Central players were helping and you get to talk to, they have a bunch of good kids, I mean, Max LaMonica is not a name most people know, he's probably going to be playing Division One, so and then I, I, I follow that as much as I follow college in some ways. Like I saw Akron Hoban had a big weekend, if, if there's any Hoban listeners out there. Yeah. And um, it, it, it is who we are in Ohio. That's what I always tell people. This football is who we are. And, uh, and no program or team, even over, I would even say over the Browns and Bengals, nobody's more universal than Ohio State in this state. And not yeah. having them and then watching the Bearcats be able to play with the former Ohio State coach, again, that's another layer that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It, it, it's just it's hard to compute it. I mean, you know, it's like um, like I was down in Texas a, a couple of weeks ago. Went down in my for the delayed memorial service for my mom who passed away back in June, and and uh, the smaller schools there were getting to start football that weekend, and then um, the but they delayed the start for the for the larger high schools. You know, like. Uh, I'm from Lufkin's a class, uh, what, 6A again. I've been going back and forth from 5A to 6A. Uh, but the larger schools were delayed, I think, until uh, the end of this month or the beginning of next month. But they pushed everything back, and they're, they're on track to play. And uh, But then you come back, and, like, the league, I think the league that's best equipped of all the leagues, I'm talking about the Power Five conferences, that's best equipped to deal with COVID-19 and its challenges because there are so many of these Big Ten schools that have major medical centers either attached to them or right next door um, and have the wherewithal from a, from a money standpoint, although you're seeing, you know, obviously you're seeing budget cutting, budget slashing across the board right now uh, at, at, at many Big Ten schools. We saw the, the missive from, uh, from Michigan last week. 
about the cuts that were being made. Uh, you know, but the, the conference that seems most equipped to, to handle it than any of them is opting out. And so, you know, it does make you sit, sit back and wonder, Bill, is, is the Big Ten doing the right thing? You know, with, like you said, the, you know, TCU SMU suddenly having to cancel their game. Like I pointed out, and you just said it a while ago, but I pointed out weeks ago, COVID-19, you know, you can handle four or five guys getting it on your team unless it's your quarterback room, <laughs> you know. So you can't play a game that week, or will you be forced to play a game that week even though, you know, the, the numbers say you've got all these other healthy guys. I mean, you know, like, like I've said all along, until a vaccine comes along that's, that works, uh, we're going to be sitting here wondering about this from week to week, right? Well, they're playing a fire no matter what. I mean, yeah. I, I one thing that is going on that I don't know that I wouldn't – I don't know that I would have fans in the stands. I think that's worked out for MLB and the bubbles in the NBA and the NHL. I, I would say that's probably contributed to some success is not having fans in the stands. I don't know that yep. I would have 10% or 15%. I know that hurts with all the pageantry and stuff, but you're playing with it if, if you do that. Um, like you said about the university hospitals, I think the Big Ten I did this stat earlier uh, that four or five of the best university hospitals in the country are in the Big Ten. Yeah. At least four or five. And so, yeah, they do have the capability to do that. Um, in January, there's going to be some I told you, whether it comes from the Big Ten and the Pac 12 or the SEC, the Big Ten or Big 12 and ACC. And the loser of that, I told you so, which is a phrase I, I hate using those in our house, but. Yeah. Um, somebody's going to feel that. And, it, and that's the question. So I, again, yeah, that's an interesting question. Like we don't know if the big Ten's wrong. It feels wrong. I think again, it feels wrong because of the timing and it feels wrong because had all five conferences canceled or proceeded at the same time, which is what they should have done. Yes. Um, then this would feel a little bit different, but that's college football for you. You have five families and they can't agree to do the same thing. Bill, you know, I've had people, uh, pretend that out of this will come a major a major agglomeration and that's not even a real word but you know where I'm going with that mm -hmm. of the major schools who will now work in accord and uh, and take care of themselves in these kind of situations and I'm going if there was ever a situation to where the major power five conference commissioners and leaders should have gotten together it was five months ago you know <laughs> Right. It, the thing that's going to come out of this hand grenade, I think, is ridiculous because this is all about, as Urban Meyer put it, you know, several weeks ago on this podcast, this is all about survival of the fittest, you know, and that's what it's looking like. And I don't, I see the opposite uh, in being the offshoot of this, but isn't it bizarre that we're sitting here in this day and age and there is no one person or, or a group of people saying, okay, Power Five, we're sitting this out until November. We're all sitting it out. Uh, it's glaring, isn't it? The lack of cohesion and leadership from the NCAA, because it really doesn't have leadership over the Power Five when it comes to football in, in this moment. The college football does need a commitment. I'll, I'll preface that by saying, I don't know if it would have made a difference for this season in terms, you could have had a Let's take Urban Meyer, for example. Let's say Urban Meyer is the college football commissioner, because I think it needs to be somebody with that kind of power and voice, whether it's Urban Meyer or Nick Saban when he retires or a Mac Brown, whatever. 
has to be that kind of influential voice on the sport. And yeah. they would have said, that's fine. They could have organized people and all of that, and that would have been helpful. But at the same time, everybody would have been mad at that college football commissioner the second he says, I mean, that's just, you know, that's how that's going to work. So I think there is a need for that down the line. But to your point, and I don't want to burst some people's bubbles here, but people in Oxford, Mississippi don't care about Ohio State football that they're not playing. People yeah. in Tuscaloosa don't care. That Wait, Ohio you State... the billboards, the, the little uh, sign on the side of the road in Mississippi the other, the other day taking a dig at the Big Ten, but go ahead now. I mean, they, I don't think they care, though. They're not going to feel bad for you. Right, exactly. Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, they might care a little bit just because they, you know, that means Ohio State's out of the way. Um, you know, but there's no sympathy from SEC country, and there's no sympathy from the ACC or the Big 12 because they, they're not working together. Yeah. Fact, nobody, nobody shed a tear when the Pac-12 canceled because it was one less conference in the way. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of it. Yeah, these – how many Power 5 schools are there? There's, there's, if you include Notre Dame, I think it's like 65 or 66 um, programs that could consider themselves the big boys. Um, yeah, Notre Dame doesn't care that Ohio State's not playing. They, they no. get the Midwest to themselves. Right. Year. So, um, well, unless you count Pitt. But, um, you know, the, that's the thing. Like, the self-interest of the conference, it's like five different, you know, I, I, I date myself, but like city-states almost in, in ancient Greece. They don't care about each other. They care about themselves. Yeah. And, and they, they make a ton of money for themselves. And that's what the college game is. And I don't know, like you said, if, if this doesn't change that, then don't expect it to change in 2021 or 2022. No, no. This is going to be more of like 2021 is going to be bragging. We played and you didn't, or we didn't play. And look how stupid you were to play. That's like you said, I told you so. That's what 2021 is going to be. Hey, one last thought before we get out of here, because I know you've got all kinds of like responsibilities on a day like today, but uh, as we record this on a Monday morning, but uh, what is your, uh, what, what is your sense of the impact, uh, immediate impact, this is going to come from left field for you, the immediate impact that Jack Sawyer could have made in the spring if, in fact, he was or could, perhaps could be allowed to play? Is he the kind of – you've watched him play on the hoof. Uh, is he the kind of kid that could come in and make an immediate impact at Ohio State? Well, I mean, obviously, I don't know you're, if you're expecting, like, Chase Young as a junior impact, no. No, I don't mean mean, that. He he could come in and contribute, yes. I I think once Jack – remember, this is a kid that last year, their starting quarterback tore his ACL, and Jack Sawyer had never played quarterback in his life, stepped in, played quarterback, and led him to a couple wins. I mean, that's the type of talented athlete he is. I think he's smart. You mentioned his decision to opt out. You know, some people might criticize that. I wouldn't. I I think he made the right decision for his future – um, he's a really bright kid. High State fans are going to love watching him play. Oh, yeah. And um, once he gets with Larry Johnson, he'll follow down that line of uh, the Bozas and then Chase Young, and, and he'll be that next guy, Zach Harrison, as he continues to develop, and, and he'll get off that edge and do that. And I think, um, yeah, but if he played in the spring, to answer your question, he, if they did a spring football, I think he would be – at minimum, a rotational player right away. And then once they get him in the weight room and do the things that Mickey Marotti does, you're going to see that. But he reminds me a little bit – I don't – it's hard to compare him to either Boza or Chase Young. I think he's just a little bit different than those yeah. three. He's got the explosiveness. Yeah. He's as 
and that's fine because Larry will find a way to – if anybody's going to do a good job with him, it's going to be Larry. I was going to say, you know, Greg Madison also likes it. I mean, you know, right on down the road. And uh, uh, But uh, you're, you're right. I had Jack, had Jack Sawyer on my podcast here a couple of weeks ago, and the other thing that stood out to me about him is that uh, he's already looking forward to that name, image, and likeness. <laughs> loophole that's coming I mean he's already playing you know like I tell everybody Bill there's a different breed there's a different breed of athlete coming up coming up through the ranks even as we speak right they it's going to be a totally different uh, uh playing field so to speak for them compared to uh 10 years ago well and the athlete has changed too and I'm getting a little bit of a whiff of that with a nine-year-old son that uh definitely is coming up you know, doing the flag football thing, and you see the level of talent at Pickerington. When I was a kid, it was, hey, yeah. let's go throw the ball around a little bit. With him, it's, you know, if we're in the backyard now, we're doing route trees and learning how to sure. stock block, and he's nine years old. And But the IQ is off the charts for high school kids now is what I'm trying to say. By then, they're so ready. And, I mean, this is one town in Ohio. So, yeah, yeah but I, I think, long, long story short, Jack's going to have a really good career at Ohio State. Um, because he's just come with good parents, good programs here, and uh, he's willing to listen despite his talent. It's always weird when you interview a kid when he's 15 and you leave the interview thinking, well, that kid's going to play in the NFL. But that's the reality of the situation now. It, it is. Hey, real quick, uh, what have you got coming down the road this week that people can tune in to sportingnews.com and check you out? Well, you need that Clemson-Wake Forest breakdown, I'm sure. I mean, the, the, the schedule Saturday is not great. Um, we'll do picks and we'll, we'll get ready for week two and get in kind of my rhythm that I get into during the season. But again, there's that just big hole when 54 teams aren't playing. Yeah. But and you know what's interesting? It makes it hard to like, yeah. It makes this it is, hard the, kind, to, yeah, this is the kind of moment though, where you could see an upset. I mean, you could see upsets pop up. I mean, you know, what kind of camp did these uh, teams have, et cetera. We know Wake Forest has got a decent little program. I mean, I'm not going to put it obviously on the Clemson level, but, uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think the next several weeks, you could see some interesting results because of this big delay, this anticipation, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's, this, this is going to be an interesting year no matter what, agreed? Yeah, and it really is going to be, you know, you always say this, is the, this will be a 30 for 30 about this season. Well, a couple things I would say. Um, one, yeah, it's going to be interesting because everybody's going to ask, should there be an asterisk next to it? Me, personally, I don't think that's the case. Is there going to be a spring national champion? I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you're going to have a split national champion, which that's not all that far in the past that LSU right. and USC split a national title. But um, right. it, it's going to – and maybe on top of it, you know, what if Notre Dame wins the ACC? You know, what if Alabama loses three games somehow? And that, that would contribute to that kind of what we're dealing with here. What if the Big Ten – makes a last minute call to come in in October and Ohio State wins the whole thing. That, that, yeah. that would be the whole, what we're talking about here. So there's a long way to go and the story changes every day. Truly, Tim, sometimes games are scheduled into 2030. We're having games being scheduled and canceled next week. That's where we're at. Exactly. Exactly. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as always, it is great to have Bill Bender on with me and, uh, Bill and I have become pretty good friends, and uh, as you know, as you've noticed, uh, he knows the national scene as well as anybody out there, maybe better. But, Bill, until next time, man, I appreciate you coming on. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on, Tim. How are you? And, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next time on the Tim May Podcast.